from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things of the week that made us go wow. Wow. I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, and joined by the legendary James St. James, host of Night Fever, our smash hit podcast about legends of the nightlife, and also Blake Jacobs, our producer. Nice to be here. Yeah, it is nice to be here. We're we are missing Tom this week. He's taking a few deserved days off. But uh, we have, as a sort of uh, special treat, we have a very special number one this week who will be joining us. Stay tuned for that surprise reveal. Very um, excited, yes. It is, yes. Uh, let's kick off then. At the very beginning, number 10, James. Number 10. Orcas out of control. I want to talk about the attack of the orcas on the super wealthy. It is my favorite story of the year, I think, so far. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the orcas have been, uh, you know, the orca whales have been attacking super yachts. They've been diving into it. They've been destroying the rudders and the propellers and putting hold, and they've been sinking them left and right. And rich people all across the Adriatic and the, you know, uh, out, uh, off of Capri and, and Nice and everything. Yes, they're all their yachts are being sunk, and it's, it seems to be a coordinated effort by the orcas. What? Pourquoi? Well, that's just it. I did a, a little bit of research this morning, meaning I Googled it. And <laughs> it turns out that it started in 2020 with a, uh, an orca named White Gladys, who was part of a pod off the coast of Portugal. Well, White Gladys was pregnant at the time, and we don't know if, the, if, if she was angry, if she was um, if it was some sort of PTSD or what it was, but um, she started ramming into boats, into yachts. And orcas are very intelligent animals, and they're very socialized, and they learn from each other. And so they all started learning from White Gladys to do this. And then they started teaching other pods, and other mm -hmm. pods across the world have are now taking on this, this new behavior that they never exhibited before. I had heard, and I don't know if it was White Gladys, that one orca had been hit by a super yacht um, mm. and maybe like killed or, or seriously harmed. And that this is a revenge of the orcas. Well, it, they do think a, a lot of behavioral, you know, uh, animologists, animologists, animal scientists, I'm just making up words, are <laughs> marine biologists, maybe perhaps, uh, think that it is a revenge behavior and that they are trying to get revenge on you know the the, the sonar and the the being hit and all, all that type of thing but then uh, there are other ones who say no this is just them playing they're just they're, this is their idea of fun is just to go up and start banging on on these ships and like i said it is it it, it has become a problem for the super rich it is it, you know you, if if you ever want to feel you know these poor billionaires are losing their yachts left and right darling. 
why do I feel that you're sort of a little schadenfreude here? Right? <laughs> well, it's true. It's true. I sort you know, every time you see a picture of like Jeff Bezos on his yacht, there's always a bunch of memes underwears of like the orcas rubbing their hands together saying, we're going to get you this time. And then, of course, when the submersible dot, you know, went under in tight, tight panic. Um, yeah. Everyone was saying that it was the orcas who are who are you know coming for the billionaires again. It sounds like that it could be a great movie in the lines of cocaine it bear, does. you know, like <laughs> orca. I hardly know her. Yeah. <laughs> orca, right. or, or, orcas versus the billionaires or something. Right. Like that. Orcas gone wild. I love it. All right. Um, number nine. Number nine. Um, I watched that uh, the brilliant, brilliant, brilliant documentary, The Stroll, on HBO, um, which I talked about when it, when the um, when the teaser trailer came out. But I, I, it's it's out now, and I think that everybody should watch it. It's the history of the meatpacking district and the mostly black trans sex workers who worked there in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. And it's directed by Kristen Lovell and Zachary Drucker. And Zachary Drucker is somebody we've known forever. She's a, a, an amazing trans historian, an artist, a filmmaker, a um, longtime friend of WoW. Kristen Lovell is somebody that I don't think the movie could be made without. Kristen was one of the homeless sex workers in the 80s and 90s. And she um, talks about her, her experience. And um, she says that many times she, she would sleep at the New York Public Libraries during the day. She would go to the New York Public Library so that she could get some shelter and sleep. And while she was there, sometimes she'd wake up and she'd start doing research on the history of transgenderism and LGBTQ people. And that she sort of self-taught herself to become a trans historian. And not only was she there and she knows the girls and she knows how to talk to the girls and she knows their experiences and she she can relate to them in a way that probably no other filmmaker could. Um She's just she's she's just a, a, a fascinating person who has um, just a, a, you're just gripped by her the entire time she's telling her story. And um, uh, she brings a lot of the surviving girls back to what is now a very different meatpacking district. I mean, it's just in and the shock of being back there brings up so many memories and it's. It's fascinating to watch. It's harrowing. It's challenging. It's upsetting. Um, but like any group of people that find their tribe, these women all took care of each other and became family to each other. And they were there for each other during the most difficult periods of their life. And it's I mean, I, I'm getting choked up just thinking about because I just I sobbed. It, the whole thing is up. And there, there's so many great photos, too, from the time from like Nan Golden and a lot of people who are out there photographing. Um, it's just it's it's something that I think everyone should watch. It should win all the awards. It's really amazing. It's I mean, it's fascinating because it's an area that has to a little degree been documented in, you know, there's a little bit of the peers life in Paris is burning, of course. Right. And then there was the. Oh God! There was the Pier Kids, the documentary. Pier yeah, Kids. I was going to say it's yeah. It was a night at the piers or something yes. like that. Yeah, uh huh. Um, and so, but 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 you're right. It, it and it is startling. 
I mean, I was just there this week, uh, you know, and it's like theory and Dion von Furstenberg and, and uh, the standards. And all of, yeah. Um, fancy restaurants and high-end shops, you know, it's like, you know. It's funny, and, though, because, you know, the first opening shot is my old building, the Triangle building right there with, remember, Hellfire and Jay's. And it was. Oh, yes. It, that yeah, was I your lived, building? I lived there, yes, for years and Jay. years. Jay's, and, the things you must have seen. Oh, good done. God. Well, because we got in free at Jay's because the music was so loud that they said, you know, <laughs> we understand you can't sleep. Come down to Jay's. So I was there. But that's a whole other uh, bowl of bananas. But anyway, the building itself has changed so much now. And you see this establishing shot of the building, the first, the first shot. And then they're standing in front of it and talking for so much. And it is just, there's art galleries in it instead of hellfire. And it's just, and there's a restaurant there. I mean, it's just crazy. It's just insane. I think I'll show Nolan the film actually. I'll make him watch it. So yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's a pretty, like I said, it is, it's uplifting, but it's, it's just a challenging view. Mm. I'm watching it this weekend for sure. Yeah. That is the stroll, and it's streaming on Max. Um, okay, number eight. Number eight. Flightmare. I, I don't know if you heard about it, but this sure. last last sort of five days or so, uh, planes on the East Coast have been uh, disrupted, supposedly, uh, mainly in New York City, supposedly by bad weather. But the weird thing was at the airport, nary a raindrop to be seen so like where this bad weather was i mean there were a few thunder showers but it wasn't like a deluge or anything and wasn't it wasn't it like all through the um like the great lakes corridor down going down through apparently so conveniently at a distance and out of sight but i have to tell you um you know i'm a wizened traveler and I have a sort of sixth sense when you get to the airport. You can just feel something in the air and you get that feeling that no planes are going to be taking <laughs> off today. <laughs> you know? um, but no, you know, that, and this is why airlines really do aggravate me is they, they never want to tell you your plane no. is not going to take off. They're like, oh, it's half an hour delayed. Oh, it's another half hour. Oh, yeah. now it's an hour. Um but oh, now the, now the flight crew has to get off and we have to switch flight oh, crews. Well, that's that's the best bit. And then they start drip feeding a narrative to you. And this was the best. It was so funny because at first I was annoyed. And then I was like, get over yourself. It's going to be fine. And the first thing that amused me was like, well, we don't have a plane. And I just thought that was so funny. <laughs> and then they found a plane. And then they were like, we've got the good news. We got the plane. Bad news. We don't have a pilot. And then about half an hour later, it was like, good news. We've got a pilot. Bad news. He's in Atlanta, but he's on the way. He'll be here soon. <laughs> like two hours later, finally, I mean, they did actually, yes, they did actually board the plane. So at that point, I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm really going to, you know, we're really going to take off. So we get on the plane, taxi along the runway, and then they stop. And they say, we just paused because there's quite a lot of planes ahead of us. I thought, well, that's reasonable. Half an hour goes by. And then they say, we're just going to turn off the engines to save fuel. Um, uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, they've closed the runway. And I've been there before. You know, that, that's still okay because Thundershark comes in, close the runway, reopen it. But then they say, 
we've been given a new flight path to get around the storms and it's going down south and it's a longer route, which is good because it avoids the weather. But we won't have enough fuel. So we have to return to the gate to refuel. I'm thinking, oh, well, why wouldn't you look- just stop at another airport when you get to like Dallas or something? Right. This is not looking good. So we head back to the gate and then we we stop short of the gate. And they're like, oh, um, I'm sorry, but we need to be towed into the gate, which again, that happens. That's okay. <laughs> but then after half an hour, they're like, sorry, we haven't moved, but there's some baggage carts in the way. What? There's no one on the gate to move them. (laughs) (laughs) So then an hour passes, and and then finally we get to the gate, and I'm like, "Is is no one with you this whole time? Do you have? No, I was all on my own because I was there in New York, and I was flying back to do the book uh, event with Bianca Del Rio at Barnes and Noble on Tuesday night. So then they tow us to the gate, and I'm like, "We've made it to the gate. Good news." Bad news, the pilot's timed out and he's got to leave. So we got to get a new pilot. <laughs> Sat there for an hour. And then, this was the best announcement of all. They were like, hello, everybody. Um, we're canceling the flight. Uh, please get off the plane. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> just... I would have been fuming. I, I just wasn't. I just thought it was so funny. And um, so get off the plane. And... Um, <laughs> Of course, there's no other flights that are about every single flight to L.A. from New York is booked up because it's now 11 o'clock at night. And um, bless Justin and Tom, they got me a flight leaving from Philadelphia the next morning. So I got up at like 4.30 in the morning, drove to Philadelphia and flew back. And that's how I managed to get to the book signing event. How long is the flight? How long is the drive to Philadelphia? An hour and a half. Oh, Um, okay. And then the flights, you know, the five hour flight. But as I'm driving to Philadelphia, I'm so excited because I'm like, I'm going to be back in L.A. for my book signing with Bianca Del Rio. I'm so excited that she's going to interview me and do a Q&A at Barnes & Noble at the Grove. I'm on my way. I get a text. Bianca Del Rio is stuck in New York. And I'm not <laughs> be able to get on a flight until Thursday. <laughs> so... <laughs> And then, of course, there is a happy ending to this because T.S. Madison, bless her, stepped in and did an amazing job. An amazing so, job. She she is so funny and so wonderful. She is. She yeah, really I, is. Yeah. Um, and you know the sweetest thing? Bianca was going to do the book, uh, Screen Age book event uh, on, on Tuesday. And it was her birthday that day. Oh, she was wow. going to do it on her birthday. I mean, I was just so touched. Uh, by Bianca and um, also by T.S. Madison. I mean, really, just, just such you've had, you've had some really good luck with some of the people, you, you know, between um, uh, Carson Kresley and, and yeah, you know, uh, Ronan Barrow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really very honored and um, very excited, actually, because going to do the Folkestone Literary Festival in the UK. And Russell Tovey is going to do it. Oh, my God. Yeah. How did you bag that? You lucky bitch. Yeah. This so, husband is so hot, too. Well, he's not bad. I mean, God. No, How no. do you know Russell? Is Russell, is Russell a little celebrity? Has he ever done anything with us? He's been on Drag Race UK. Oh. And, I mean, and you just, how did you reach out to Russell? What did you say? How did you do it? 
I said, hey. <laughs> no, I didn't yeah. reach out, actually. But I, I did... Um, the, the the team that booked him on UK I like tried like can you like ask if you do it so amazing Man, yeah that's really cool I know I mean it's a tall order anyway uh, let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll carry on counting down the top ten things of the week that made us go wow Blake have you got a question for us I do um. Do y'all know that song, We Didn't Start the Fire by... Um, we didn't start the fire. It was Billy all Joe. Was burning yeah. since the world's been turning. Billy Joe. He sequentially lists things that happened, you know. Yes. Well, a new band has updated it. Can you guess what band covered and updated We Didn't Start the Fire? Just yeah. released. Oh, good question. I'm going to Google it over the break. We'll be right back with the answer. Here on The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. I'm uh, Fenton here with James and Blake. Tom is out this week, but uh, we have a teasing question for you. And an answer, in fact. Yeah, I asked. So a new band has covered... Um, Billy Joel's song, We Didn't Start the Fire, which listed all, sequentially all these events that happened. What band, who, what is the band that uh, covered We Didn't Start the Fire? And, and has updated it with new, with new things. I'm going to have exactly. to say, I'm going to give two, two different um, uh, ideas here. One would be Arcade Fire, because We Didn't Start the Fire and fi- Arcade Fire might be an idea. Or, but it sort of sounds like something the bare naked ladies would just toss off at the drop of a hat. But okay. could it be someone radically unexpected? But you did say band, so I guess it couldn't be Lil Nas X or Taylor Swift. <laughs> say that's a good idea. Or um, Maroon Five, maybe. That's my guess. Those are all good guesses, but it was Fallout Boy. Oh, that does mm-hmm. make sense for them too. Yeah. And- they just spit out events that happened, and it's not even in sequential order. Does well, it rhyme though? Is it? Is it? Is, it, it is. It, it, it. It's not the. It's not the same. Oh, that's a shame. Well, because you know Billy Joel has been interviewed about that many times, saying would he ever do an updated version, and he says no. It stands on its own. On its own, it is what it is. I. I ain't ever gonna go through that one again. That was. Well, a, I a love. I love it. I love the idea of an updated version, but I don't think it was executed well. Sorry. I will tell you this, though, little trivial fact. No, it's not trivial. There is a podcast called We Didn't Start the Fire, Mm -hmm. hosted by Katie Patrick and Tom Fordyce, and they go devote an episode to every single item. I think it's like a hundred. Yes. That's awesome. It's a clever idea. Mm -hmm. I love it. All right, we're counting down the top 10 things of the week that made us go, wow, we have a super exciting surprise special guest for number one. But in the meantime, we're at number seven. Number seven. So sad news, Julian Sands, the actor, they just found his body. He went missing a a month or two ago. and No, Blake, he went missing in January. Oh. It was right after after Christmas. Yeah. Wow. Wow. He went missing in January, and everyone's been looking for him. He went on a hike, and he was on Mount Baldy, wasn't he? They recently found um, human remains, and they were 
turned out well, to be. Can it. I just tell you the thing about Mount Baldy, though? Tell me. Mount Baldy is very famous for it is where the Lemurians live. We talked about this. The Lemurians were an ancient race of uh, 10 feet, 14 feet tall, white wizards who lived underground. And many people thought that they were aliens. And people often hike Mount Baldy to find uh, evidence because sometimes the Lemurians will just sort of uh, appear out of nowhere and guide you to your doom. So they're still still around, or they go? Apparently, yeah. They say that that the Lemurians still live. The ancient race of Lemurians still live underground at Mount Baldy. And I have a very good friend, Marlon um, Marlon Universe is his tag on Instagram, and he uh, travels the world for looking for paranormal stuff. And he was just on Mount Baldy recently too. So I'm not I'm not saying Lemurians got Julian Sands. I'm just saying. It's possible that the Lemurians got Julian's hands. Well, weirdly, this is not that far-fetched from what I was going to talk about. Mm-hmm. The 1989 movie Warlock. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen it? It's a horror oh, movie. Oh, Julian Sands. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It has Julian Sands, and it also has Richard E. Grant. Do y'all know him? Yeah. Good character actor. And Laurie Singer. I love Lori Singer. I had a wonderful day I spent with her at DragCon one year. We sat next really? to each other and we had a a ball. Yeah. You know she's like some super smart Juilliard trained hysterical. Yes. Yeah. Well, anyway, so my notes about the movie. Number 1, the worst wigs ever. <laughs> VO5 called, honey. Um <laughs> second note the video effects were so weird and it just freaked me out because so the movie came out in 89 at con which is weird that this movie came out at con and then sometimes you can't really go to them for quality all the time you really can't i'm sorry well i wondered if it had changed over the years or if it had always no 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 it's always nuttiness well, and then the other thing that it was released in the U.S. in 91, but only two years later, Jurassic Park blew these graphics away. You know, like when he flies, it looks like they took a screenshot of him and then just like cut it out in Photoshop. And But you have to remember that this Warlock was like around the time of um, like never ending story and legend and a lot of those movies that that are so cheesy to look at, even like Labyrinth or something like that, where you're like, oh, it, yeah. it, 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 it was just the time, you know, and, and it hadn't really caught up. I do want to well, just say, though, that, um, you know, Julian Sands is a room with a view. I mean, one of the, oh, he was so beautiful and so classic in it. And he was also in Naked Lunch, which if you've never seen Naked Lunch, oh, I the talking that. asshole, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's shocking still to this day. So I guess rest in perfection. Yeah, rest in perfection, Julian Sands. Yeah, Uh, he was a beauty in his day, and he's always been a fantastic actor. He was hot in this movie too. Um, It's streaming for free on Freebie, if you so. All right, has Julian Sands gone too soon? Rest in perfection. Number six, James. Number six. Groomer has it. Groomer has it. 
I went to the movie theater over the weekend and I saw um, No Hard Feelings, the new J-Law movie, Jennifer Lawrence. And I know, Blake, you saw it as well. It um, It's it's an easy, breezy summer comedy. It's not going to win any awards. Um, it's, uh, it's a fine way to spend the afternoon. I'm a huge fan of Jennifer Lawrence. I just, everything, I just, I just love her. I just, I could watch her read the phone book. She is, she's so well, fun to me. You know, but, this movie is what made me like really fall in love with her. I always kind of liked her, but then I was like, she's kind of like the Taylor Swift of actresses. Like everyone likes her. So, but this you movie, is you had so, a knee jerk reaction to her. Yeah. What you're saying. But did you ever see American Hustle though? When she's in that, that like, big '80s hair, and mm-hmm. you have to watch because she's absolutely hysterical as a big '80s sort of. Well, like, she's hysterical outfit. in this too. It yeah. was so yeah, good. She is very good at comedy. the 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 plot is is that she's um uh, an older woman. I mean, she's thirty two years old, and they make like menopause jokes about her. It's so cruel. Um, but there's uh, a young kid who's 19. He doesn't. He's he's not socialized. He doesn't have any friends. He doesn't go to parties. He's going off to college, and his parents are very worried about him. So they put an ad in Craigslist saying, "Will somebody please date our son?" In quotations, meaning fuck him. And if you date our son, we'll give you a car. And her car breaks down, and she needs the car, so she agrees to to date this boy, and she's trying to seduce him, right? Which is where sort of the groomer things comes in. Because if it was a man, a 32-year-old man, and a 19-year-old girl, every Republican would be, oh my god, this is disgusting. But because it's Jennifer Lawrence, nobody really cares. But the kid is absolutely adorable. His name is Andrew Barth Feldman. And he's got this cute, he's got this huge nose. He's just, he's, he's I think he's going to be like a, a one of the up-and-coming, you know, actors of his generation he he is he's very funny and throughout the movie they actually you know bond and become friends and sort of they actually sort of fall in love and it's it is what it is but i you know but the good thing is that they don't actually fall in love at the end i mean well spoiler alert but like because i was hoping that it wouldn't be that because that's so like well, they were going to fuck. They they were down to fuck, and then things just keep stopping them at the last yeah. minute. And then it, by the very end, they realize he's going off to college. She does her thing, and they're just going to be friends. And it's it is well, a nice yeah. But I didn't I didn't want them it to end like with her moving to college with him or something. No, 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 no. They they were never supposed to get together. But um, I just you know I do want to say that Blake um some other ones. That you should be, you know, um, uh, Silver Linings Playbook. I don't think you should do that. That's not very you. But that's what she did get her Oscar for. American Hustler, Hunger Games, Winter's Bone. I mean, she really is always, it's always a pleasure to see her on screen. She's absolutely fantastic. And she did that amazing um, uh, Joy Mangano movie. Uh, I think it was called Joy, actually. Uh, David Rockfall. The home shopping, yeah, yeah, she was, yeah, she was the, yeah, and that's another one where she's a funny '80s lady too, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've seen her in the Hunger Games, and I liked her. I just didn't. I've never seen her like really be funny, and this was good. I do think you should check out American Hustler because it's it's, yes. it's pretty hot. It's funny. Well do, well do. All right, welcome back, Jennifer Lawrence. The movie is in theaters now. I'm, I am so excited about this. I like. I'm going to just shoot my load and then be a spent husk. Number five. (laughs) (laughs) Number five. Once upon a one more time. 
This oh. is the new Britney jukebox musical that opened in New York uh, last week. Yes, opened in New York last week. Uh, went to see it with Billy and Nolan and Elliot on the second night. Um, Billy, who's the ticket whisperer, got tickets months and months and months ago. And I think the world is surprised at how brilliant, witty, clever, funny, and moving it is. Um, oh, and I yay. will just say, though, this is not the first Britney jukebox musical in the sense that um, and Juliet, which is not oh. technically Britney songs. It's Max Martin songs. And Max Martin wrote many of Britney's hits. So and Juliet, which is a brilliant retelling of the Romeo and Juliet story using a lot of Britney songs. This, once upon a one more time, is a brilliant redo of the fairy tale trope of the damsel in distress or whoever it might be rescued by a Prince Charming type. And in this uh, musical, uh, they have all the, the fairy heroines together. So you've got Snow White, you've got Rapunzel, you've got Sleeping Beauty, you've got the Little Mermaid. And that has been done a number of times. Sure, but yes, but it works. I mean, that's the, the genius thing about Britney songs is how they can be arranged to create an emotional arc <laughs> that will tell any story. And the, I'll, I'll tell you the other interesting thing is that all her songs naturally fall into an order. So that you'll begin with Oops, I Did It Again or what, Hit Me Baby One More Time. Then you'll get to Oops, I Did It Again. You'll get to Toxic. You'll get to Stronger. Now I'm Stronger Than Yesterday, you know. And then you'll have the encore till the world ends. It's, it's what she did in her stage show in Vegas. It's what they do in Once Upon a... One More Time. It's what they do in Anne Juliet. But it, it works every time. And there's also... Now, it ha hasn't been produced. There's also a musical out there called Spears, which uses Britney songs to tell the story of Jesus and his crucifixion and resurrection. Oh, I love that. Which I cannot, you know, unfortunately, yeah, yeah that would be I hope, I hope it's blackout heavy. Well, they have Toxic. Uh, actually, Toxic wasn't on Blackout, was it? They have um, Peace of Me, of course. Um, F more. F.U.C. Amy, right? Was that on Blackout? They did not have F.U.C. Amy. Uh, that was actually that is on Blackout. And they did not have Get Naked. And, did they have Freak Show? And they did not have Criminal. Um, they did not have Freak Show. But they had, you know, Give Me More. And, um, and, and oh, but the, I would say the star of this is unquestionably Justin Gorini, who, oh, the American sure. Idol, who yeah. plays... Prince Charming, a vain, narcissistic, delusional, you know. But wait, but you know, I mean, have you ever seen Into the Woods? Have you ever seen? I know it does. I yes, yes. Okay, okay fair yeah, enough. The, the vain Prince Charming trope is is out there. But the the lovely twist is that he's he's cheating with all of the you know he's cheating with Snow White, Little Mermaid, Rapunzel, and Sleeping Beauty, <laughs> and that's when he that's when he does the number. Oops, I did it again. Like <laughs> it's very very funny, and um, I, I guess what happens is. The OFG, the old fairy godmother, the original fairy godmother, 
appears and gives Cinderella a copy of Betty Friedan's A Feminine Mystique. And this, <laughs> this provokes a feminist rebellion. And the women, they all get together. They're not going to take it anymore. They're going to fuck over Prince Charming. There's a lovely gay subplot with Prince. Prince Erudite falls in love with Clumsy, the little person from, and they have a lovely gay kiss. It's just, it's just charming and funny. And I, I do like Justin, Justin Guarini. I've seen him on, he was on Tamron Hall show the other day and he's, they talking about it and he is adorable and he's 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 much more talented than i think we ever gave him credit for um, much and his star turning role as the little pepper man on the dr the, pepper, the commercial. dr pepper commercials yes he's so good i do want to say i was just at ralph's the other day the grocery store here in los angeles and toxic came on the the speaker right and it was a Friday afternoon in the it was mobbed. And when I tell you that every single person in the grocery store started singing along to Toxic, old women, young kids, everybody had a smile on their face. And literally like 120 people were singing along to Toxic in the grocery store. And it's a testament to how much people just love Britney and how, you know, that she is just she's the icon of every of every era you know for I, I totally years. with you and i think toxic is a stunningly brilliant song for the yeah. ages yeah. Uh, especially uh, there are many different versions out there and and there's one that's slowed down and it's just so powerful it's you know it's like it's toxic it really is like a drug or something anyway. Well, I think I might've already asked this question, but I had, that's a great trivia question. Okay. Who was Toxic originally written for? Ooh, um, this is a good teaser for a break. Um, we'll have the answer when we come back. You're listening to the Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go Wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Fenton here with James and Blake. And that was a really interesting question. Yeah, Fenton just talked about Once Upon a One More Time, the new Britney jukebox musical on Broadway. And I asked, who was Toxic originally written for? I mean, it could only be J-Lo, probably at the time, who would get the first dibs on all the songs, right? What about Taylor Swift? Mm. Uh, maybe, a little before but, her time a little before Taylor yeah because this was early oh, yeah. mid 2000s I guess yeah who who Kylie Minogue really <laughs> she missed Kylie that one on it. yep but I guess she's making up with it I was like yeah, yeah I mean you know it took Padam. 20 more years but she got her padam <laughs> let's carry on counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow number four number four have you guys seen the show Claim to Fame? Yes. No, yes. I've seen bits it, of it. It is, you know, uh, EP and hosted by the other two Jonas Brothers, Kevin, you know, the one that's not uh, Joe or Nick, and Frankie, the younger one. They host it, and basically the premise is all these people are related to famous people, and you have to guess who they're related to. Well, Tom Hanks' niece has a meltdown because she's the first one eliminated from season two of Claim to Fame. 
Well, wait. So, so basically, somebody guesses who she is related to, and she flips out. Is is basically she, what you're listening to, right? She flips out on a whole nother level. She goes like ballistic because she says, she says, um, even Gabriel got it, and he's stupid. And they show him, and he's like, "Damn." Oh, I just I want her on every reality show. I think she is the new Omarosa. I think she. Yes, is. they don't need anybody else. They can just have her the whole time. Yes, just let I her get pissed gonna... about something every episode. She's on season fifteen of Drag Race. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, right. I didn't it's... even get to do any challenges. Yeah, <laughs> it's streaming on Hulu. Right. All right. Uh, number three. Number three. James. I have been on a Nicholas Holt binge this past week. I love him so much. I can't even tell you. Um, the season three of The Great is out now. I, I don't know if you remember. It's um, Peter the Great, uh, Catherine the Great. Elle Fanning is, is Catherine the Great. He That's is uh, Peter. It is so raunchy and so bawdy and so funny and so sexy. And it is... The scripts are so tight and funny. Fenton, I know you fell off of it season two, and I was a little upset with you. Would you ever go back to it? And, and I would. In a hot second, I definitely would, yes. Oh, good. Okay. That's one of those shows that actually takes time away, you know? So you you want to go back to it. Yeah. I it I think season three is even better than the first two seasons because they're sort of in a in a – they're in their groove right now and the humor is just so off the wall and so modern mm. and yet so it it's the huzzah huzzah is still happening it's, it's just it's so good i also uh-huh. went and watched renfield on peacock and renfield came out a couple months ago i don't know if you remember and he um it, it was savaged by the critics audiences hate it it sunk within a week Nobody went to go see it. It got terrible reviews. It was much maligned. But he plays a modern Renfield who is uh, the bug-eating slave of Dracula. And now it's modern times, and he's in a support group for people in toxic relationships, and he's trying to get away from Dracula. And he, um, uh, he, but he gets these superpowers, and he's trying to do good. And it's just he's just absolutely adorable. He's like a young um, Hugh Grant in this. And I think about Nicholas Holt, who, you know, we first learned about him, uh, about a boy. Remember the Hugh Grant movie when he was like nine? And then he was in Skins, which was the euphoria of its time in the early 2000s. It was a British teen soap opera. And then he was in Mad Max Fury Road. Remember that? He was painted white and he was that creepy little guy. It was uh, with Furiosa. Um, Then, um, uh, Remember Warm Bodies, the zombie love story where he was the zombie who fell in love with the girl? Everything he does, I just find him so wonderful. He was recently in the running for Superman, which I don't think he could have pulled off, but he was one of the three finalists. He's just, he's, I think he's just the best that we got. And I go watch Renfield, just give it a shot. It is absolutely adorable. Renfield with uh, Nicholas Holt is streaming on. Peacock. And Nicolas Cage is, is Dracula, and he is just chewing up scenery. It's so well, funny. That seems good. They look yes, relational it, in a sense. You know, you could... Oh, and Aquafina is in it, too. And Aquafina, oh. yeah. So, I mean... Why it's, didn't it's, you say? Right. But also, yeah. if you haven't watched The Great, 
seasons one, two, and three are now out on Hulu. Please. It's my favorite show. Thank you. Love that. Number two. Number two. Madonna was found unresponsive in New York, rushed to hospital with a bacterial infection. I mean, living in a bacterial world, and she is a bacterial girl. I think this is shocking news. And I just wanted to speculate or, you know, send good vibes her way, obviously. But because uh, uh, we have tickets to go see the opening night of the no, of, of the hit tour. I know. Like, yeah. we were going to go. We're going on vacation today. Was going to fly from Greece to Vancouver to see the opening night. Not anymore. You're going, so. where, uh, we're going to have to talk afterwards about your, your Greek trip. That sounds amazing. Mm. That is the bucket list of mine. Never been to Greece. So very oh, that's not, oh, my God. Oh, I'm so jealous of you. Um, I have friends but, that go every summer and love it. I will send me some tips. You go to Greece every summer? I said I have friends that go every summer and love oh. it. Oh. <laughs> anyway, but back to Madonna very quickly. Yes. I do think one of the one of the good things that I've seen is you know so often uh, Twitter is such a hellscape now, and, you know Facebook and everything, and people are so nasty, and they're especially nasty to Madonna. The, the yeah. ageism that she endures just yeah. frustrates me to no end, and the young kids who don't understand how important she was to us and what she did and everything like that. But since this has happened, I've seen sort of a tidal wave turn. And the the support and the the love, the outpouring of love for her is heartening. And I do see people, you know, I, I see more images of her. So you know, through the it's it it seems like people are supporting her and they're loving her in a way that I think is is wonderful. Because God, can you imagine a world without Madonna? I just well, it, it just I think that's you. Yeah, that's what made everybody suddenly pause, you know, in yeah. this massive like misogynistic ages laying on of Madonna. Suddenly, it's like, oh, she is mortal, and she could be gone just like yeah. that. It was the first time I've ever thought, oh my god, there will be a world without Madonna someday. Mm. Just like you know, <laughs> thinking there was a, there there will be a world without Cher or. Or, yeah. you know, like, I mean, it's, it is the, the way of the world, but to be reminded of someone's mortality is, is. Anna Nicole's already dead. Well, it, it's the same thing. Like when Elizabeth Taylor died or something like I could never imagine a world about her. I mean, right. you know, or Princess Diana. Or Princess Diana. I is remember. Irresponsible to ask if this is coded, like is bacterial infection, the new suffering from exhaustion is there like some other story here or or as if you go to the daily mail oh the the, the covid jab got her you know I mean, <laughs> oh, people are still, still on that one the Fauci <laughs> claims another victim all right we're gonna take one more break and then when we come back reveal the number one thing this week that made us go wow and it is a big very special surprise you're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Fenton here with James and Blake. Um, Tom is out this week, but we've reached the number one thing this week that made us go wow. And ta-da, reveal number one. It's Matt McConkey, co-host of Homophilia, but also host of just like Matt, the breakout podcast hit. 
it is a juggernaut. It is insane. I am so jealous. I when you said we were going to have him on the show, I said absolutely not because I <laughs> Matt, what is the secret to your success? I mean, just tell us, like, how did this happen? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you. All I ever wanted was for someone else to be jealous of me for a change. So <laughs> that's the kindest thing that you could have said to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've been doing homophilia for years and uh, this all kind of started as a joke. Obviously, I'm a Sex and the City fanatic like every other gay man that we know and and an, a just like that fanatic. And my husband, Michael, just said as a joke, you should do a podcast called And Just Like Matt. And so just and, and so it all kind of evolved from there. But I did really conceive of it as just like a really informal kind of just like shooting the shit with my friends talking about these episodes, dissecting them the way that we were all doing over text after they aired anyway. But then we had had Michael Patrick King on homophilia, thanks to uh, all the magic of World of Wonder. I was like, let's just shoot our shot and see if maybe he'll talk to me one more time for this podcast. He's going to say no, because that was only a year ago. He's not going to do another podcast with me already. And he said yes quickly. And so suddenly he's the first guest and it just becomes a lot more legit than yes. I had any business making it. Okay. I am that one gay man who is uh-huh. not, I don't hate it, but I'm not a fan of Sex in the City and just like that. So tell me what, read me to filth and tell me what, what it is, what is the DNA malfunction that I, what, why don't I get it? What is wrong with me? Not, absolutely nothing is wrong with you. I, I, I don't know. I wonder if you just, you got off on the wrong foot with the show. Maybe you, you watched some of the first season episodes when it was, they were still finding their footing a little bit and, I could, I'd be happy to sort of uh, Sherpa you through a, a viewer experience, but I don't know. I guess it either hits or it doesn't. It definitely does for me. Um, you know, these characters are all about a decade older than I am. So when the original was airing, I was sort of looking into what I hoped my future would look like, you know, wearing fabulous clothes and having lunch with my girlfriends. In New York City, it ended up very much not looking like that. Um, and now they're in their fifties, and they're they're you know firmly in middle age, and they're dealing with loss and grief. And I, it's really just you know, for so many of us, family it has has been redefined by our found family, our chosen family, our you know our friends, and that's really the heart of both shows um, is the friendship between these characters and they just happen to live really aspirational lives too okay well i have two big questions here the first one is which are you a charlotte a samantha a moran i mean who are which one are you it's so hard i i think everyone thinks that they are a carry because we are all the main character in our own lives <laughs> if i'm being honest i mean i like to say that i'm a a Carrie Sun with a Miranda Moon and a Charlotte Rising. Like I do have a little piece of all of them in me. As much I love Samantha so much. She's the one that I, I can't even claim to be. I, I was never I, I aspired to be as slutty as Samantha has been over the years. <laughs> what about you? 
Well, I of course I'm a Samantha too, but I mean, but I if anything, I really if if I really look in the mirror and really look at myself, I'm a Charlotte. I just I just am. There's I, I I'm embarrassed about it, but it's true. Um, the other question though is, where do you fall on Che Diaz? Well, I, I you know I I to me they are the fourth horseman of the. I don't get it, them at all. Gosh, I mean. I, I have a real love for Che. I would say we're we're seeing a new side of Che in season two, where we get to see a lot, lot more of their vulnerability and the person who is behind all of this bravado that at times can be very annoying. It, you know, do I think Che is a great comedian? No, but there are so many famous comedians that I don't think are very funny. That doesn't mean, but that doesn't make it any less of a compelling character for me. Um, you know, I've had to interview a lot of people who are promoting their comedy specials, and I've had to pretend that I'm a big fan of their comedy when I'm not. So, I know. I've been on. I've been on your show. I know what that's like. Absolutely <laughs> not, Fenton. How dare you? <laughs> um, no, I. So I, I don't know. I, I'm. I'm. A, I'm a Che Diaz apologist. At the end of the day, I will, of the new characters, Che is probably the one I'm least invested in. I love Seema so much, who's uh, Sarita Chowdhury's character. Oh um, yeah. And uh, you know, LTW, who's played by um, uh, Nicole Ari Parker, and Naya is played by Karen Pittman, and each one is just more fabulous than the next. Can I quickly ask, are they still drinking Cosmos? Or what, what are they drinking? No, they not since season two. <laughs> not since, yeah, they, they, they drank Cosmos in one of the movies, ironically, because even by that point, uh, it has it had already gone out of fashion and they were sort of drinking. They said, let's bring it back, I think, yeah, yeah. In, the second, in the second movie, yeah. Apple um, martinis, yes. <laughs> Apple martinis. I have a question. Who do you think wore it best for this season uh, to the first couple of episodes of season two when they went to the Met Ball? Oh, God. LTW, no question. Lisa, uh, Nicole Ari Parker's character had this yeah. iconic red Valentino, like silk chiffon with the train that goes on down a full block. And she has to walk down Park Avenue and her husband is has to carry the train. Mm -hmm. And she has this... Um, this like almost like like Hellraiser pinhead mask on her face of, of of like red feathers that she clearly can't see through and looked excruciatingly painful, but it was just like a look I will never forget. That one goes down right. in history. But, you know that yeah. brings me to one of my problems with and just like that, and it's that Pat isn't involved. And you, I really that first season, I really felt like they were struggling a little bit because a lot of the outfit just didn't play the same way that with the ease and finesse that, that Pat brought it. Do you think season two is finding its footing without her? Yeah, big time. And, you know, there's a great documentary um, about the making of season one, but it focuses so much on the fashion and you get to meet Molly Rogers, who's the costume designer. But who Molly worked with Pat for years and years, and years. Through yeah. the entire run. And she is a, a real character in her own right. And um, yeah, I think it, it, it's like, we're it's still sex in the city but it has its own visual language and you know they're still taking some risks that i don't know i think so much of the fashion from the original sex in the city at the time was looked at as bizarre but because it's just become 
um, such a part of our collective consciousness that now we can all recognize how great the fashion is. And so I think even some of what we're seeing now and just like that, we'll look back and go, yeah, you know what, that, that dress she wore in season three, in the season one that I thought was uh, a, a miss, she was onto something. I was really interested by what Michael Patrick King said in that, in your episode of Unjust Like Mad, about how with the first season of Unjust Like That, he said he broke Sex in the City. Yeah. He was kind of breaking the mold and that in order to, in this season, return to a new uh, uh, yeah. vision or uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, he was referring to, you know, the death of Big, uh, but I, I think that he quote unquote broke it in in other ways that is really kind of beautiful. Like I always looked at the the kind of core four of the original one. There are so many parallels. Obviously, you could compare them to the Golden Girls. You can compare them to the characters from Girls. There are a lot of like iconic like quartets where there's some like neat um, you know parallels between the characters. But I another one of my lifelong obsessions is the Wizard of Oz. So there's also a very clean like you know that Carrie is Dorothy, you know that um, Miranda is the Scarecrow, Charlotte's the Tin Man, and, and Samantha uh -huh. is the Cowardly Lion. But now we don't have Samantha, as we know. Um, but in a way, between the, the changes that have gone on in these characters' lives, the loss of Samantha, the loss of Big, it's almost like what used to be one character's viewpoint um, as Samantha has been broken a little bit, but now it's like this cool mosaic where it's almost like the light is fractured in a different way. And everyone is, is kind of um, offering a different perspective. That's just like much broader than it used to be. Well, I think that thanks to your podcast, uh, And Just Like Matt, I am going to start with season two of And Just Like That and and uh, try to fix my broken game. Wait a minute, though. No, no. You've you do this all the time, Fenton, where you, I, told him to, I told him to watch The Boys, and you know what he did? He went to season three, episode four, and started. Oh, no. Like, what? Like, you can't. You've got to start at the beginning. Yeah, you've got to be How old do you think you are that you can just <laughs> jump in to the middle of things? No. Go back to this episode one of And Just Like That, and then uh, let us know. All right. Okay. Because you need I'm... to know the horror that is Che Diaz. I'm sorry. I'm just going to all say. All right. It. All right. I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> and I will report back. Uh, next week, James. Yes, um, I, I, I need to know your take, Fenton. And, and if you're gonna watch, if you weren't watching, now you're watching. Then my my work here is done. You know, my mission's complete. Well, congratulations to you. Really, it's a fantastic success, and we are really thrilled for you because it's a we're wow, a, a wow and podcast. Jealous. Yes, it's really <laughs> yes, and we're jealous and thrilled and all sorts <laughs> of feelings. Um, but come back anytime. In fact, probably you should take over the show. Would you please? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will come back anytime. I, I, I adore all of you. And yeah, as you said, it is a wild podcast show. So when I say I couldn't have done it without you, I mean, I literally couldn't have done it without you. So thank you. And Just homophilia like as well. So I mean, yes, yes, right. you are a juggernaut. You are. You are. Um, hey, thank you, Matt. Thank you, James. Thank, thank you, you all so much. And thank you all for listening. Uh, come back. Join us. Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go 